We shall now turn to the chapter which we read together, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, and our text for this morning is verses 31 and 32. Matthew 25 at verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. You see here that Jesus is concerned to warn us. We have a great tendency to just drift along from day to day, to go along happily in our lives, eating, drinking, and making merry. And we may have a very good time, and everything is going well with us. We're healthy, we're wealthy, we're doing okay. And we tend to forget that it is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. We forget that we're just a breath away from heaven or hell. That's a solemn thought, isn't it? Death could come at this moment. And if it did, where would you find yourself? Weeping, wailing, gnashing your teeth, regretting your wasted life, thinking of all the opportunities you had Lost forever. Or, alternatively, all your troubles, your sorrows, your worries, your aches, your pains behind. Joy unspeakable and full of glory in the presence of your beloved Saviour. What a contrast there is. What a difference between the two eternities, one of misery forever, one of joy and bliss forever. <clears throat> nobody warned us more about this than our Saviour, because nobody knew more clearly and felt it more than Jesus did. Jesus, who's so loving, so compassionate, who came all the way from heaven into this miserable, cursed world to save us. Jesus, 
who wept over Jerusalem because he could see its coming destruction because it had rejected him. Our Lord Jesus who suffered the agony of Calvary and who freely proclaimed the gospel to all. You will not come to me that you might have life. Well, friends, Christ is coming again. When he comes again, he's going to judge this world. And every one of us will have to stand before him. We're told that there's only the two sorts of people. Sheep and goats. Those on the right hand, those on the left. Are you a sheep? Or are you a goat? Are you on the right hand of Christ? Or on the left? Are you those to whom he will say, Come ye blessed. Or those to whom he will say, Depart, ye cursed. First I would like us today to think about this coming judgment day. Something that's before us all, it's coming soon. Jesus is telling us here about it. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all his, the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. When Jesus came the first time, he came in his humiliation. He became a man incarnate, the great, majestic, glorious, infinite, eternal God became a man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. Think of the humiliation that involved for God to become a man. And he was born in a low condition. Born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. There was no room for him in the guest chamber and he was placed in a manger. And he grew up there in Nazareth and Galilee and his glory was veiled. Some people saw his glory. John said, we beheld his glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. But it was only by faith that, God, that John could see that. To most people, he was just the carpenter's son from Nazareth. We know his, his brothers and his sisters. He's just an ordinary man. They couldn't see how different he was. They were blind to who he really was because his glory was veiled 
And it needed faith to understand. But when Christ comes the next time, people won't be saying, I wonder who's that? Could that be Jesus, the Son of God? They won't be announcing it on the radio or the television. He will come riding upon the clouds of heaven and his holy angels visibly with him in all his might and his glory. And every eye shall see him. He shall come as lightning from one end of heaven to the other. And his great throne will be set up, this great white throne. And men and women will call upon the mountains to fall on them, and the rocks to cover them from the face of him that sits upon the throne. Because on that day, the unconverted will be absolutely terrified. Terrified out of their wits and minds. Crying for the rocks to fall on them. Who would want rocks to fall on them? Only somebody who's face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. With the lion of the tribe of Judah. And with the wrath of the Lamb. Who can understand the wrath of the Lamb of God. His coming will be sudden. As the coming of the flood in the days of Noah. For a hundred and twenty years Noah was preaching to people and telling them, a flood is coming, prepare. And eventually he had made the ark. And he went into the ark. And still, there was no sign of the flood. The people, you can imagine that they laughed at old Noah. There's never been a flood, so there won't be a flood. Never been a flood like this, a universal flood. If the waters start rising, well, we can run up the hills and we'll be safe enough. But seven days after Noah and his family and the animals entered the ark, the rain began to fall. And the fountains of the great deep were opened up. And the waters began to rise. And you can imagine them running to the ark and knocking at the door and saying, Let us in, let us in. We know now that you spoke the truth. But all Noah could say was, too late. Too late. God shut the door and sealed it. The door is shut. It's too late. Will it be too late for you? As it was in the days of Lot, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Marrying and giving in marriage. That morning, some of them were up having their breakfast. Others had gone out early to work. Some were having a long lie in their beds. And it began to rain. And it wasn't water that was coming down. 
fire and brimstone from heaven. How terrifying. How awesome. How painful. How destructive. So the Lord will come. He will come suddenly. His throne will be set up. That great white throne. That throne of divine power and majesty. The mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and all that is therein shall be burned up. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? And that's addressed to Christians too. What manner of persons ought ye to be in the light of eternity, in the light of the judgment day, in all holy living and godliness? And we're told that all nations shall be gathered before him. But they won't be gathered as nations. The judgment of nations takes place today. That judgment day will be the judgment of individuals. But all nations in their individuals will be gathered before him and have to stand there before him and give their account. There'll be nobody to hide behind. No leaders or rulers. No parents or grandparents to hide behind. Everyone shall stand naked before this great throne of God. The sea will give up the dead which are in it. Death and the grave will develop, deliver up the dead, dead which are in them. The cemeteries will be busy that day. Graves opening. Crowds emerging from the graves. Wherever people died, whatever happened to their bodies, even if their bodies were burnt and their ashes sent out to space, it would make no difference. They will all be gathered there. Everyone will be gathered to give their account. Adam and Eve will be there. Cain and Abel will be there. David and Saul will be there. Peter and Judas will be there. Hitler and Stalin will be there. Putin and Zelensky will be standing there before the throne. Nicholas Sturgeon will be there too. And Boris Johnson. And you will be there and I will be there. Every one of us. And the books shall be opened. And what's in the books? Every single thing you ever did. Every single thing you ever said. Every single thing you ever thought. Every single thing you should have done that you didn't do. Every single thing you should have said that you didn't say. And every single thing you should have thought that you didn't think. And nothing is forgotten. And your whole life will be gone through. 
How long will that take? Doesn't matter. It's eternity. Time no longer matters. And every man and woman who ever lived, and every one of us, will be judged according to our works, whether they be good or evil. Nothing is forgotten. Our whole life is examined. And how do you think you'll do on that day when your life is examined by the great judge? Think of all the privileges you've had. Think of the home that you grew up in. Think of your parents and their advice. Think of the friends you had. Think of the sermons you heard. Think of the words of advice that were given to you. How will you do in that day with all these privileges, all these opportunities? the goodness of the Lord to you. How will you do in that day? And at the end, really the basic question is this. What did you do with Jesus? Did you ignore him? <coughs> did you neglect him? Did you despise Jesus? Did you forget about him? Did you crucify him? Because to ignore Christ is to crucify him again. What think ye of Christ? What did you do with Jesus? Did you love him? Receive him, embrace him, give your heart to him. That's a vital question. Well, we notice here in this part of God's word, we notice that there are two kinds of people. There's the happy ones and there's the miserable ones. Let's look at them in turn. And you notice there's only the two kinds. People like to think that there's three kinds. There's the very bad, there's the very good, and there's people like me in the middle who are really all that bad. I haven't done anything too bad. I haven't really hurt anybody, and I've tried to be good, and I've, I've gone to church, and I've, I say my prayers, I read the Bible, and... I'm not all that great, but I'm not that bad either. Well, you notice that there's those on the right hand and there's those on the left hand and there's none in the middle. There's sheep and there's goats. 
and there's nothing in between. I have heard that there is such a thing as a gap, a cross between a sheep and a goat. But there'll be no gapes on the judgment day. Only the sheep and the goats. What are you? What class do you join? Do you belong to? Now all of us are born goats. We're born sinners. And that's why we need to be born again as sheep. We're all of us by nature enemies of God. Children of Adam and indeed children of the devil. So you need to be converted. Everyone has to be converted from being a child of the devil to be a child of God. See, they're opposites. You can't be both a child of the devil and a child of God. You're one or the other. So what are you? We need the new birth. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. So it's a huge change that takes place. And when that change takes place, it shows. You see, some people think you can be a Christian and just live like the world. But you can't. Some people think, well, I made a decision years ago. Or... I have faith. I believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And so on. They go on living just as the world around them. But the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. And if your faith doesn't express itself in a transformed life, it's useless. The devils have faith. The devils believe in God and they tremble before God. But that's not enough. We have to be new people, transformed. Not just believing in a kind of abstract way, but trusting wholeheartedly in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour, giving our life to him, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. And that's what we see brought before us here. Because, first of all, we're told about those on the right hand. Verse 34, Then shall the king say to them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father. You blessed ones, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Come and enjoy this, this great blessed paradise. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. 
I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Does that describe you? Do you show this kind of attitude towards Christ? When Christ is sick, do you visit him? When he's naked, do you clothe him? When he's hungry, do you feed him? When he's thirsty, do you give him drink? Does your faith express itself in life? And then you notice something else here. Verse 37. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? You notice there's something, something interesting about the sheep here. They feel they do nothing. They feel they've done nothing for Christ. And that's a mark of the Christian. You feel you should be doing so much for him, and yet you do so little. And you feel unworthy. And you feel hell-deserving. Is that the way you feel? You've got no righteousness. Remember the, the contrast between the two people who went up to the temple to pray, the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee, I thank thee, Lord, that I'm not as other men are, extortioners or unjust, or even as this publican here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And then there was the other man, publican. He stood afar off. He hung his head down. He beat upon his breast. And he cried, God be merciful to me, a sinner. My only hope is God's mercy. I look for it. I trust in it. I claim it. That's faith. I'm a poor sinner. I'm nothing at all. But Jesus Christ is my all and in all. I deserve hell. But I receive Christ and trust in him. And therefore I will be saved. My hope is in Christ alone. No trust in their own works. And yet... Their faith is not a bare faith. It's a faith that expresses itself in life. So verse 40, the king shall answer them and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The Christian is somebody who cannot keep his faith to himself. His faith leads to a life, a new life. And it leads particularly to a loving life. 
And we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And if you're somebody, from time to time I hear of somebody who falls out with fellow Christians, I won't speak to them. If you're somebody that hates your fellow Christian, you're a murderer. You're not a Christian. A murderer. That's what John says. You're a murderer if you hate your fellow Christian and you won't speak to them. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And when you love somebody, you show it. And so, when your fellow Christian is hungry, you feed them. When they're thirsty, you give them drink. When they're sick, you visit them. When they're naked, you clothe them. When they're in prison, you come and visit them. You show love to them and kindness. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And you notice the way that is put here. It's not a matter of because you have been feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and doing good works, you've earned salvation. No, not at all. Good works are not something that earns heaven. But nobody gets to heaven without good works. Because good works are the expression of faith. And where faith is, works follow. And therefore, the apostle says to us, be zealous of good works. Provoke one another to love and good works. Good works are very important. Not earning salvation, but showing you're saved and showing that your faith is real. So these are the happy ones. Those who have Christ and because they have Christ they have the spirit of Christ in them and that makes them different. It makes them really loving, caring and self-denying. But then, thirdly, the miserable ones. The goats. Those on the left side Those who are never converted. Those to whom he will say, Depart from me, ye cursed. How awful these words are. There's no more awful words could be spoken than these. Depart from me, ye cursed. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Everlasting punishment. Depart. One day Christ will say, depart. 
Today, he's saying, come. And that's wonderful. Come to me that you might have life. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you life. Come to Christ. That's what he's saying today. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He can't always be found. He won't always be near. But he is today. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will pardon. Come. One day he'll say, depart. But today Christ is saying, come to me. Come to me that you might have life. Whosoever will, let him come. Come and drink of the water of life freely. Come and be saved. Notice how Christ puts it to those on his left hand. I was unhungered, you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Verse 42, verse 43. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, or a thirst, or naked, a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Notice what he says here. He doesn't say, you are a murderer. You're a thief. You're a rapist. You're a liar. Depart from me. Maybe you've never committed murder. Maybe you never stole. Maybe you never told a lie. That's not what's critical. You see, what's critical here is I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me drink. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and you didn't come to me. What's stressed here is your lack of love for Christ and particularly for Christ's people. That's what's stressed. So you can be a really good loving person and end up in hell. And you can be a murderer and end up in heaven. What think ye of Christ? That's really what matters. Have you come to love Christ? And if you really love Christ, you say you love him, well, how does it show itself? And they say unto him, 
Verily, they say unto him, When saw we thee an hungered, verse 44, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? You see, that's the attitude of the Pharisee. The Pharisee says, Well, I'm as good as anybody else. I try my best. I do what I can. I'm not that bad a person. People think quite highly of me. I'm really not that bad a person. Well, that's what they're saying here. But it doesn't hold any force with Christ. Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as he did it not unto one of the least of these, he did it not unto me. Depart from me, he cursed. There's a hell and there's a heaven. A hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained. There's a Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came into this world to save sinners. And he says, look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. Do you have Christ today? Or do you not? Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank thee that we have a gospel, good news, glad tidings of great joy. We thank thee that our Lord Jesus set the good tidings in the context of judgment. He warned us of the wrath to come, but he told us the way to escape. Help us then to flee, to flee from the wrath to come, and help us to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ while we have time. Bless us then with heavenly wisdom, with a concern for our souls. Help us as Christians to show that our Christianity is real by loving every one of the blood-bought children of God, Grant, O Lord, that we would walk in love one towards another, in kindness and forbearance and forgiveness, in concern and consideration, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfilling the law of Christ. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Our closing praise is Psalm 40. Psalm 40, (coughs) verses 1 to 4. Psalm 40, at the beginning, I waited for the Lord my God and patiently did bear. At length to me he did incline my voice and cry to hear. Took me from a fearful pit and from the miry clay. And on a rock he set my feet, establishing my way. Psalm 40, verses 1. To four. <clears throat> I waited for the Lord my God and
questions are as follows. The evening service is at the usual time, 6.30, and the prayer meeting on a Thursday evening at 7.30, and the service is next Sabbath, the usual time is 11 a.m. and 6.30. All these, God willing, and God willing, I'll be with you during taking these services. Then there's leaflets on the table uh, in the entrance about a book written by the late Reverend Hugh Ferrier <coughs> entitled Ministers, <coughs> Ministers of the Free North Church in Verness from 1843 to 1974. That's when Mr. Ferrier himself became Minister of the Free North if you wish to purchase copies of this book, please add your name and the number of copies you would like to the order sheet on the table. If ten or more copies are ordered by the congregation, the cost will be reduced to £6 <coughs> per copy. And there's also an intimation about uh, Mrs. Clark, Reverend James Clark's wife. She was flown to Stornoway on Thursday and is now at home in Leverborough. So we're very glad that she's at least making some headway after a prolonged, serious illness. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. <coughs>